Good morning, everyone. That, that is my mic check, and I think I'm on. Thank you, folks, for uh, helping set us up so well here. Um, very good to see you all today, and uh, it's always nice that um, we can come here, we can arrive a little bit earlier, and connect with... Uh, this is a congregation uh, that we have connections that go back quite a few years. So it's fun to be able to uh, see folks and uh, see folks that we know, but also to, uh, to meet those that we haven't. Just remembering, I have the liberty to... I'm not as, not as uh, practiced as uh, Pastor Darren. There we go. Okay. Uh, it's very good to be here. Thank you so much for um, the invitation, and um, thank you so much for uh, just the, 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 the connection that many of us uh, have with you. It's great to be able to uh, share with you uh, this morning here in church. The Canadian Food Grains Bank, uh, as you know, we represent the Food Grains Bank, and it's a partnership of 15 church-based agencies, and um, we'll be explaining a little bit more of that in a bit um, maybe just as one kind of intro in a sense to give you a bit of a sense of, of who the Food Grains Bank is. The Food Grains Bank is a Christian response to hunger. And again, I mentioned this association of, uh, of agencies. And primarily, the Food Grains Bank does two things. Uh, we provide emergency food assistance to, to people who are in, in need in, in, in really uh, severe kinds of circumstances. Um, and then as well, we do work kind of in the longer term to support responses that, that offer longer term, um, uh, that help to build res uh, resilience in the longer term. Uh, especially in the last number of years, we've really begun to, I guess in some sense, scale up the work, which reaches now close to about a million people on, on an annual basis in between 33, 35, 36 countries on a yearly basis. Um, and Jackie and I are the uh, representatives for the Food Grains Bank um, here in Saskatchewan. So while we don't bounce around the province together all the time, that's often my role, especially because there's a lot of connections to agriculture, as I'll mention in a little bit. Uh, we do share this role, and in particular, it's when we have a chance to engage with churches that uh, we really enjoy being able to, uh, to come together. Uh, we've been in this role for about six years, and in the first few years, it was a lot easier to bring our kids with us. Um, now, today, they're actually with Grandma and Grandpa, and they had a few things happening in Saskatoon, and it just seemed a little bit easier for just the two of us to come out. Um, but it's, uh, we've really appreciated being able to meet so many different folks uh, across Saskatchewan, and I'll, know, I'll, or I'll, I'll be mentioning some of that in the coming little bit. But... Um, uh, that's just a little bit about us. Uh, today we want to really, and I thought it was really fitting, Pastor Darren spoke about um, this as the fourth advent being, you know, the Sunday in which, we, in which we recognize love. And Pastor Darren spoke about that love between a parent and a child. Um, and that's so very fitting. And, and, and we are all God's children, so we can imagine a little bit of that breadth and, 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 that breadth and depth of God's love. Uh, and then... I was thinking of this as I was sitting on the bench. I always actually, in other circumstances, speaking after a children's feature, I actually always really love that. Because there is this beautiful humility in which children's features are often done. And it even draws us as adults into that 
beautiful humility of learning. And in some ways, you know, being a guest speaker in, 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 you know, in a church we haven't spoken in before, there's always this sense of, I don't know, at least it's, it's a sense of, uh, you know, recognition that we are, all, we are all God's children and we're all on this journey of learning. And so um, uh, just as, you know, in some ways we see many of you sharing your gifts here uh, in, in, in your church community, in your community, we also are excited to be able to share, I guess, our, our gift here. Jackie and I want to um, really bring, um, kind of combined, a message from Scripture, fittingly around, uh, around loving your neighbor, um, and also kind of tie in, you know, in particular, what are the, the, uh, the, the, kind of the spiritual pillars that really are the basis of who we are as the Canadian Food Grains Bank. Okay, thanks, Rick. Um, yeah, we're here today, and um, Rick, he didn't mention it, but actually he's from Saskatchewan, from those that don't know him, grew up in Waldheim. I actually grew up in British Columbia, and moved to Saskatchewan now 20 years ago, actually, to work at Bethany College, where I know, uh, that's where I know some folks from. Um, I was the Dean of Women and on faculty there for a little bit. And actually, I also want to bring greetings. Rick's going to say this, but officially, um, I've recently become the board chair of MCC Saskatchewan. Uh, And so, uh, thank you for those that, uh, and Rick's going to mention, I think, in a little bit, the connection between Mennonite Central Committee and the Canadian Food Grains Bank. So thank you um, as the board chair for, for the ways that you work, help those two organizations work together. And if you're not quite sure how that is yet, then make sure you ask me afterwards. But uh, Rick mentioned that uh, the Food Grains Bank is, we, um, our tagline is it's a Christian response to hunger. And so uh, whenever we come to speak, especially in churches, it seems appropriate to ask ourselves the question, what is a Christian response to hunger? What is that? And there's lots of different things uh, we could say. But, uh, and throughout the Bible, we have many stories of people meeting the needs of others. One of um, the most well-known comes from the story of the Good Samaritan, as told by Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke tells us himself that uh, he carefully investigated and wrote his Gospel account so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Not surprisingly, and part of it was read today, Lots of um, the most detailed account of Jesus' birth comes from the story, uh, gospel stories of Luke, including our first recorded Christmas songs that come from Mary, which was spoken of today, and of Zechariah. Luke also tells some other stories that aren't found in other parts of the gospel, the story of Zacchaeus, the prodigal son, the healing of the lepers, and of course, the Good Samaritan. In these stories, Luke emphasizes that Jesus is a friend to everyone, not only to Jews, but to Samaritans and those from different races and nationalities. One author suggests that Luke was quite sure that if people knew of the kind and sympathetic way in which Jesus met individuals, they would be won by the attractive power of Jesus' wonderful personality. One thing that I find most interesting about the story of the Good Samaritan is how it begins, and that is with a question from a religious scholar, most likely a Jew. I wonder how you might answer the question if someone were to ask you, what do I need to do to get eternal life? That is the question that you read of in Luke chapter 10. As you might know, Jesus assesses the context and asks back, what do you think the law says? How do you interpret it? The scholar answers by summarizing that the law requires him to love God and to love neighbor, which Jesus encourages him to do. In fact, Jesus' words are, do this and live. 
So this is what we're going to talk about this today, loving your neighbor as yourself. And remember, as you think about that, uh, this words of Jesus, do this and you will live. There is much that scripture tells us about eternal life in God. And I, but I do think this morning uh, to bring attention to the story that loving God and loving neighbor are essential to what it really means to live and find life here on earth. Interestingly, the scholar has more questions in mind, not at this point about loving God, but about loving his neighbor, which promotes the well-known agenda-driven question, who is my neighbor? Given all the difficulties going on in our world today, we all might ask ourselves this question from time to time. Who am I supposed to show love towards? Given we are here today representing the Food Grains Bank, uh, it wouldn't surprise you to hear that we believe you should show love to those who are hungry. Those who do not have enough regular access to food, to food in order to live a healthy and active life. But the reality is that the story doesn't really answer the question, who is my neighbor? This becomes quite clear by Jesus' final words to the scholar, and we're going to look at those in a couple minutes. The story really answers the question, how do I be a loving neighbor to somebody in need? A question not too far from my original one, how are Christians to respond respond to those who are hungry. Much could be said, but for the moment, I'd like to stay with a key concept of Luke's gospel and offer these words and questions, both to yourself um, and to myself. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, does my response testify to a kind kind and sympathetic person who wins others over to Jesus through a wonderful personality? Does my response speak of a person who is a friend to everyone, regardless of their race or nationality. I trust most of you know the story of the Good Samaritan enough to know that's exactly the type of person Jesus portrays as living out well the command to love one's neighbor as yourself in the story of the Good Samaritan. In this next slide, after Jesus tells the story, there's another dialogue between Jesus and this religious scholar. As I said earlier, Jesus doesn't really answer the question, who is my neighbor? The question Jesus has in mind, he says quite clearly, back to the scholar, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor who fell into that robber's hands, as you can see on the screen? One other translation simply says, which of these three was a neighbor? Again, the scholar answers correctly. The neighbor is one who responds responds with compassion or other translations would say with kindness. And Jesus invites him to go and do the same. The call to love our neighbors, to respond with kindness and compassion to those in need, is clearly made in this story. In Jesus' mind, it's key to finding life. I recognize we all have limits, but I do believe a general principle of living attentively and compassionately to our neighbors still gives lots of space to discern how best that you should do that in your own context. Before we leave the story and talk more about the Food Grains Bank um, and our uh, collective response to hunger, I wanted to be um, just point a few details um, about how the Samaritan showed kindnesses in those middle verses that weren't on the slide. Um, I, showed, I think the Samaritan showed a willingness to respond, even though he may have had other things up for himself that day. The Samaritan was moved to help the man that he saw along the road. He responded to immediate needs. He used what he had on himself at the moment in time to provide care in the moment when he met the man. 
but he was also willing to invest in the long term. Having met this man, he committed to making sure his needs remain met um, beyond that first encounter. As I reflect further on how the Samaritan showed compassion, I note that the love displayed by the Samaritan is not just something Jesus calls his followers towards. It is the love he displayed himself. One could say that in coming to dwell with us as Emmanuel, God and Jesus was willing to become our neighbor. Jesus provided much care on earth to those he met along the way. He met people's physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. He also invested himself in others in the long term. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus made possible an eternal relationship with God, between God and humanity. The gift of his Holy Spirit in the life of a believer reminds us that God remains near in Christ through his Spirit. We are not orphaned, but adopted eternally as God's children. As children of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, I believe we are continually compelled to become good neighbors to those we meet along the way, which in our global world can be just about anybody. The Food Grains Bank essentially is a large network of people working together to be good neighbors to those who face hunger in our world, especially uh, internationally. We really do recognize that there's hunger here in Canada, but uh, I don't know if Rick was going to say it, but the, the work of the Food Grains Bank really does focus on some more um, acute international needs. And at times this can seem uh, like a daunting task to do, and to some extent the needs are endless. Um, but we do have some frameworks at the Food Grains Bank to help individuals willing to respond to meet both immediate needs, as Rick shared, and invest in long-term relationships that help families provide food for their own families. Um, before Rick speaks, I just also lastly wanted to highlight that the Food Grains Bank has recently developed a good resource entitled Hunger for Justice. It's to help youth groups learn more about responding to the needs in our world. Um, and really, there's no reason why adults couldn't learn from it. Um, as well. I was able to see uh, my own kids who go to youth at West Portal Church, our home church in Saskatoon, um, start to go through this resource and I asked Terry Friesen, uh, their youth pastor, to share some thoughts on the guide and here's what he had to say. I am thankful for the Food Grains Bank Youth Guide. It is clearly geared for youth to be thinking of ways they can make a difference in the world. Most people find the issues of the world too challenging to think about so they don't do anything. And this youth guide is helping us realize we can do things, as well as help our heart connect with how God feels about the people around the world. Biblically-based, current, and very youth group friendly. As Rick shares more about uh, the Food Grains Bank with you today, I do hope that you also realize that despite the challenges facing all your neighbors who lack enough food to eat, there are things you can do. And I truly do believe that doing them will help you also to connect more with God and his compassionate heart for you and your neighbor. Thanks, Jackie. <clears throat> Thanks, Jackie. Um, yeah, I had failed to mention earlier that uh, it uh, is nice to also connect with uh, kind of within our own denominational family. So uh, we're part of West Portal Church and um, Jackie's been involved in the SaskMB for a time as well. And so... Um, in that sense, um, I know we set up some information at a table just below your missions board, and I'm going to speak a little bit about kind of who we are as a food grains bank, what we do, but I really thought of, you know, trying to do it in a different way, not so kind of direct just with information, but really trying to kind of highlight 
profiles of people, because it's a, in some sense it's a vast network, how is the Food Greens Bank able to respond internationally? And as I was sitting here, I kind of can see your, 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 your missions bulletin board, and in some sense, you're already there in terms of thinking about kind of a network. You've got, you know, it's wonderful to see, in fact, you know, people that are in various parts of the world, you have certain uh, local focus, and so that kind of, uh, you know, even that kind of visual display for sure helps children, helps youth begin to understand kind of the network of, uh, of you know, what is it like as God's people to respond in, uh, in a neighborly way. Before I dig into that, I want to say in some sense um, to just extend a little bit of what Jackie was speaking about, this, the, the parable of the Good, Good Samaritan. Caused me to think, I wonder why, why did the Samaritan have compassion for the Jewish man? It's actually, it's a, it's a really good question, not because I'm thinking about it, because, but because I think it, it, uh, it, it, it brings us a little bit more deeply, and Jesus' parables are often spoken in this way, or even some of the things he says directly, they're spoken in ways that there's a much deeper complexity to something that's often very simply, you know, the, the, the Good Samaritan is a fairly straightforward story, uh, but it invites us to dig more deeply, and I think by virtue of digging more deeply, um, you know, by genuinely wanting to kind of understand further, uh, we are drawn closer to, to God's heart in, in doing so. And so I think of that question, you know, what, why did he have compassion for the Jewish man? Had he ever received help in a time of crisis? Had he ever previously perhaps witnessed uh, his own neighbors acting compassionately to, to another? Um, this parable doesn't offer further insight, but we do know that, you know, God's law, the Torah, in, in, in that time period, in the Old Testament time period, was, you know, there was, there was significant aspects to the Torah which commanded uh, God's people to be looking out for the foreigner, for the stranger, for those that did not have, um, for those that are on the margins. And if I think of my own kind of personal life and, and growth as, as a Christ follower, I can attest to aspects um, uh, in my memory, that are rooted in part of, of being part of a communal response. Um, I grew up in Waldheim, uh, with a, you know, kind of through the MB church there, and often saw how my elders, you know, those that were in the community, you know, I was a child or a youth, how did the adults and the elders handle tough situations? Uh, that often demonstrated the principles that uh, Jesus taught through this parable of, of loving your neighbor. And I'm sure we all know numerous examples of how um, groups of people will sometimes work together to respond to a need that is out there. Two that I thought of that uh, are, are very relevant. At times, families in a community, especially in a rural community in Saskatchewan, um, you know, rally together to help pull the harvest off for another family that's maybe suffered from some type of tragedy. Um, as well, we see volunteers that have now descended from certain parts of Canada or even into some of the southern U.S. into the Fraser Valley. Uh, to come help in some of the disaster relief and recovery that's happening there. And I think, even, really, even the Samaritan needed to rely on the cooperation of the innkeeper um, to share some of the burden to help the, the, uh, to help the Jewish traveler. Um, in, the, in all of these responses, each person plays an important role. Sometimes some people are more visible and others are less visible, but the impact of the communal response is really greater than the sum of its parts. It's greater than what each individual could, could give on his or her own. 
And really, that is a value that the Canadian Food Grains Bank holds in, uh, in high regard. Um, <clears throat> we are known as a Christian response to hunger, uh, and as a whole, we are a vast network of people, of, uh, of individuals, of communities, of organizations that have committed to responding together, trusting that our collective efforts um, will offer help and hope uh, to a much greater extent than if it was each person on his or her own. Now I want to share, as I mentioned, I want to share a bit more details about who this Food Grains Bank network is. You know, what, what, what is it that we do? Why do we do what we do? Um, but I, in some ways, I don't want to just speak it straightforwardly. I want to kind of share it through a various, through a number of profiles of people, of groups that really, because in, in, in the end, it really is uh, God working through his people uh, that really are the DNA and, and really are the kind of the, the, the primary aspect of our response. Is it, is it, it's through, those, through the people. Um, so I hope that through some of these profiles of this network, um, you know, this, you, you will get a sense of, the, uh, of people who are essentially responding in the same way that Jesus said, go and do likewise. Um, and primarily this would be kind of in, in kind of four main groups. I want to talk about, you know, sup- Canadian supporters of the Food Grains Bank. I want to talk about the various member organizations that comprise the organization of the Food Grains Bank. Uh, I'll be speaking about international partners that have such a key role and then obviously many of the people, the families um, that are part of communities that are part of, of the, the projects internationally. Um, <clears throat> so first to maybe uh, just, let's begin here in terms of thinking about this network. We're gonna begin here in Saskatchewan. Uh, and by virtue of kind of extension, you know, thinking about supporters across Canada, you know, this is not only in Saskatchewan, but really across the country. Um, the Food Grains Bank was uh, born really in the late 70s and the early 80s, uh, right here in Saskatchewan and in Manitoba, in rural communities where farmers began to advocate to the federal government, uh, listen, we have excess grain that is at risk of simply spoiling. We can't move it any longer. You know, there's, we have more grain than what the quota system would, would, would allow for. And we also know through our church connections that there are people that are going hungry. This is not ethically or morally, we're, we're, we're not <laughs> comfortable with having excess food here simply spoiling. And so through those initial efforts, uh, the Canadian Food Grains Bank was really born as in its vision to be essentially, un, you know, think of the Joseph Principle, to be able to store resources uh, that would be available in a time of need. And now nearly, at that time it was responding to, uh, the, to, to the needs of hunger in uh, in, Indi- in the Indian subcontinent as well as East Africa. Uh, and now about 40 years later, uh, the Food Grains Bank was born in 1983 and so we are near to, uh, to, to recognize 40 years. Um, the Food Grains Bank includes thousands of supporters, uh, rural and urban uh, and youth and elders, uh, businesses, schools, and of course local churches, and I would say in some ways local churches in, in some ways serve as a bit of a hub for all the various kinds of uh, extensions and activities that, uh, that occur in support of the Food Greens Bank. Uh, we encourage Canadians to, to engage in this work primarily through four avenues, praying, giving, learning, uh, and advocating. There will be a slide at the end that kind of in some ways reinforces that. Um, we see these really as four primary avenues through which we can love our neighbor. Uh, 
Because we can say love our neighbor, but we also can think, okay, how specifically can that be done? And we often say, you know, through prayer, through the giving of resources, through learning more about a person's context, and that can help inform our response, and also for advocating for those whose voices are often not heard. Um, you see on the, on the screen, you know, just a number of photos of, of people, uh, people in Saskatchewan groups. I will point out the, the, the couple on the lower left, you probably know, uh, Dan and Carol Siebert, um, out by Main Centre, and... Um, They've become involved by offering acres to a project called Grow Hope Saskatchewan. I'm not going to go into detail right now, but you can ask me about it um, afterwards. Um, but I do want to um, highlight, I really appreciate words that Carol shared uh, in, in a Western Producer article this past fall. Uh, Dan and Carol are wanting to really ensure that there's a both and, that they can speak into the public realm about you know, the tangible things that they're offering, the, the, the invite that there is for others to join, uh, but also the motivation for what's behind their involvement. And here are the words that I have from the article. These are Carol's words, and I quote, uh, about, about, her, about their motivation, and I quote, You have a sense of working together with our neighbors and friends, with an agency that we believe in, and just the sense of gratitude that we feel, first of all, to God for what he has given us and left us with, uh, and then and left us with, and then to be able to share this with others and to share our table around the world, end quote. Um, and that's a reflection of so many, you know, I don't want to single out uh, Dan and Carol, but it's a reflection of so many people who, uh, who give generously, often recognizing uh, the blessings that they, they, they have and the resources that they are entrusted um, and the joy that comes from, uh, um, uh, from sharing that with others. Now, another very unique aspect of the Canadian Food Grains Bank as an, as an organization is essentially our makeup and structure, uh, which is a little bit more of an association. Uh, you can see a whole bunch of uh, logos there, organizational logos. Um, so since its inception in 1983, uh, the vision of the Food Grains Bank would that, was that we would be able to be a collective Christian response to hunger. Um, even at a scale in which the Canadian government would recognize, hey, there is a lot of people backing this communal response, and in fact, uh, we're going to choose to be part of it by, by matching funds. Um, through our working together, our reach is greatly magnified by all of these organizations working together, um, and then, you know, even with uh, the, the additional government uh, funds. Over the past five years, our work has annually reached between 800,000 and up to a million people on an annual basis. Now, when you look at all of these logos, and, I would say, and I'd say, yes, if we endeavored to, you know, if we decided to walk into the weeds of, the, of, of our denominational, perhaps, differences, uh, we'd find ourselves probably at, at loggerheads on, on X number of items. Uh, but the Food Grains Bank is a really unique space because the focus is to say, here is something that we all hold in common, and that is to respond to the needs of those who are hungry in the world. And we carry that because Jesus has commanded us to, to, to go and love our neighbor as, you know, to, to go and do likewise in terms of loving our neighbor. We learn a lot from each other. I'm going to skip through a couple of notes here, but we learn a lot through being in association with one another and working together. I will highlight uh, Mennonite Central Committee is actually the logo right in the center. Um, and MCC is, in fact, is, is, is the founder of the Canadian Food Grains Bank. Um, 
prior to prior to the 80s is, or prior to 83 it was known as the Mennonite Food Bank um, and um, I guess in this sense, one of the aspects that Jackie and I carry as wanting to be a good neighbor to, to you all and um, recognizing that you have had you know, a long history of connection with, uh, with the work of MCC, um, one of our roles is often to bring words of encouragement. And I want to bring these words of encouragement um, that are from Rick Gunther, who's the Director of Communications and Donor Relations with MCC Saskatchewan. And I'm just going to read the words that you see here on the screen. And this is specific to you at, at Bridgeway from, from Rick. Whether it be volunteer hours at the local thrift shop or the donations to MCC to help those who are hungry overseas, uh, you, Bridgeway, are responding to basic human needs and working for peace and justice all over the world, including right here in Saskatchewan. Please know that the spread of your generous love has traveled far and had significant impact. We hope you have a keen sense of God's love for each one of you and your community in return. We so very much appreciate working with you in this way, as Christ calls us to do. Um, and so, yes, our, part of our role is to really help facilitate those kinds of connections between constituent churches with the organizations that, uh, that comprise the Canadian Food Greens Bank. A third, um, a third key group in all of this network uh, is... And it's this third group that I want to highlight in a, in a sense because they're often, um, I don't want to say overlooked, but they're maybe less seen by Canadian supporters. They're less seen, it's not an intentional um, overlooking, um, but it's those that work for local partner agencies in the countries uh, uh, where we work. And these individuals, and they represent, typically they represent uh, local churches, local organizations, um, they act as liaisons. Uh, they act as bridges, they act as translators. Uh, they essentially act as a very effective neighbor that enables resources to be appropriately matched according to the needs and the planning of the local community. So in the picture, uh, I don't have a pointer, but you can see there's, there's a couple of women that work for the local organization. Its acronym is PARD. It's on, on the right-hand side. Uh, and this is in Lebanon. Uh, so local partners working with MCC, um, you know, MCC in Lebanon, who's working with a local partner, and they are responding to the needs of, of essentially, it is hundreds of thousands, and in fact, there was at one point in time 1.5 million Syrian refugees uh, in Lebanon uh, for a country of 4 million, and it's not, geographically not even that large. And so uh, it required a massive response to, uh, to, to be able to provide for needs of families that had come across the border. So if you think of the, the women in this photo, and this, is a, this photo has a mix of Syrian refugees, um, uh, some of the Lebanese Christians who are working through the organizations, and in fact, uh, there's a couple of women in, this, in, the, in the photo. I can't remember if Jackie took this photo, but Jackie was part of a learning tour that was in Lebanon for two weeks um, a, f a number of years ago. Um, and really as a learning tour to really listen and learn, you know, what, is this, what does this response look like? Uh, and it's often the folks that work within these organizations um, that, uh, that do such critical work. Uh, in, the, in this sense, really opening up opportunities for Syrians to um, have one less burden than, 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 than what they already have, and that is in a sense of not having to worry as much about how am I going to feed my family. Um, I won't go into details, but there's lots of barriers as to why 
uh, you know, the, just the situation for Syrians in Lebanon and, and, and just their situation in general in terms of being uprooted. Uh, their role includes building trust with vulnerable families, organizing assistance efforts, and facilitating the kinds of rich shared learning experiences um, that occurred in this photo. And definitely, I would encourage you to uh, connect with Jackie after the service if you want to learn more a little bit about that, particularly the way in which God is building bridges between Christian and, and Muslim neighbors. Uh, in the same vein, I want to highlight uh, the work of, and these are some folks that I got to meet uh, personally. This is also a few years ago. Um, I was in Rwanda, and I want to highlight the work of Matthew. He is the agronomist on the far left. Um, and then there is a woman with a blue t-shirt in, in the other photo. Her name is Odette. Um, Matthew, as I mentioned, uh, he's an agronomist and works with an MCC partner in northern Rwanda. Uh, one of his key roles is to help train local community leaders like Odette uh, in the work of conservation agriculture. Um, it's often termed this uh, farmer field school training, which helps uh, families grow more and better food, um, improve their land base, and also improve uh, household nu nutrition and, uh, and their income. And this kind of training of trainers, essentially, is what often allows our work to really you know, continue to multiply and have um, increase its effectiveness. Um, and, and, and in some ways, what really, um, I guess, really encourages many Canadians in terms of supporting the Food Grains Bank. Now, at its core, the folks that are in this group, and, and likewise with us, at the core, this commitment to love, or this commitment to Jesus' words, to love our neighbor, often becomes a central pillar uh, that really help to foster trusted relationships between organizations like MCC and the local partner and then into the, in, into the community. And that those kinds of trusted relationships are really crucial for, uh, for meaningful and lasting change. And speaking of uh, positive change, um, you know, really our commitment is to helping those who are food insecure, um, you know, basically access and attain the, the food that is needed, whether that is on the short-term basis, sometimes that's, in, obviously it's in relation to emergencies, and, and then also how do we help build resilience and how do we help build people's capacity to, uh, to ensure that they have the food that they need in the longer term. Over about three decades, a lot of progress was made in relation to hunger globally. We saw uh, uh, hunger levels kind of declining over about 30 years, and now in the last six or seven years, um, hunger has really kind of risen again. So much of it, unfortunately, is connected to conflict. Conflict that displaces people from their land base. Um, you know, and, and hunger is a situation that arises really within 48 hours of any kind of, you know, that kind of disruption or displacement. Uh, increasingly, uh, Climate-related disasters, whether it's like deepening and ongoing drought, whether it's you know the devastation from floods, um, that also has uh, a significant impact in in various regions of the world. And now, in the last couple of years, and Darren mentioned just the impacts of COVID, and for some people in some regions, COVID has really hit hard on the local economies. And if you're a smallholder farmer trying to you know sell the little bit of extra that you have in a local market, and if that has been shut down. It really eliminates, um, it really reduces the, any kind of uh, cash income that, that, that is needed to carry a family through. Um, our work is designed to address uh, both current and longer term needs um, in order to um, address the, the, risk the risk factors that exacerbate hunger. Now you'll note that in many of the slides uh, I've shown are of women. 
uh, indeed, that's somewhat intentional, not to like you know place a, a, a huge focus, but also but just to note that in regions of the world where hunger is most severe, disproportionately, it's women and younger children that that bear a lot of the brunt of hunger, um, and so you know even think of in in in, in other, you know in numerous situations. It is the mom and, moms and the young children that are really doing a lot of the work in communities because they're often the ones that are disproportionately bearing some of the brunt of, of that lack of uh, food security. On the slide here that you see before us, um, in front of us, there's this message that came from numerous Haitians. This is from Haiti. Uh, this is uh, part of MCC's response this past August. There was first an earthquake uh, this was in the middle of August, and then three days later, there was a Category 2 uh, hurricane that passed over um, about probably half the land base of Haiti. And so there were families that were in a very desperate kind of situation who already had lost their homes and now exasperated by, by all of the rain and the flooding that had occurred. And MCC was able to navigate, actually with the help of Mission Aviation Fellowship, so they were able to fly in supplies. And this was an overwhelming response. Thank you for not leaving us. Uh, thank you for remembering us. And in fact, I have a, one other note. It's not on the screen here, but this comes from an MCC, a local MCC uh, worker that said, he said, all of them that we talked to, all of the Haitians we talked to mentioned neighbors that they knew who were also facing hard times uh, and neighbors that they would now be sharing their cans. A, a lot of it was uh, blankets or uh, relief kits, so blankets, um, hygienic supplies, and canned meat. All of them were sharing their uh, cans of meat with other neighbors. He says, as MCC, we weren't telling them to do that. <laughs> we weren't encouraging them to do that because it stretches the limited resource thin. But they said, you know, when God gives you a gift, then you give it to others. And what a powerful demonstration of reaching out and, and, and loving a neighbor when you yourself are already so slim on what you have. Uh, my last slide here. I'll just end with a few words from a woman named Aznakesh Zima. She's an Ethiopian farmer uh, whose story has been shared through an eight-minute short film uh, called Growing Her Future, and you'll find it on the Food Grains Bank. Um, uh, there's a YouTube channel for the... Or the Food Grains Bank has a YouTube channel. Her story reflects that of thousands of families that have received support from the Food Grains Bank network uh, and have extended their blessing to others around them also in need. And she says here, and you can read it as well, from the harvest of 205 pumpkins, I provided 70 to my neighbors who were having a food shortage. I had the same history of asking neighbors for food at times of, for, I had the same history of asking neighbors for food at times of shortage before I participated in this project. So I know that many of us think of, um, in Canada, think of the work being magnified by the, you know, by the, all, all the associations that are all involved, Many of us understand the federal government in terms of how they match, and, and historically there's been you know, up to a four-to-one match, for, especially for the humanitarian assistance. Um, but it's countless stories like these that you read, um, such as uh, the one from Az Az Aznakesh, uh, that bear witness to what is, uh, I think, sometimes overlooked. As God's people, we should not overlook it at all because I think it's God's spirit that is the greatest multiplier in all of this work. Um, it is his spirit reminding us of his compassion and his mercy towards us, uh, and of his promise, as Jesus stated, of do this and you will live. His promise of that as we respond with mercy towards our global neighbors. 
and I think Jackie is just going to uh, say a few words to wrap up. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much uh, for the support we have received from uh, Bridgeway. It's been uh, greatly received, and uh, all the other maybe individual ways that folks from here have supported the Food Grains Bank. Um, if you want to learn more, like I said, there's um, there's youth group guides. There's lots of actually resources on the website, so I encourage you to check it out. And um, But I just wanted to leave you with a prayer. Um, we will enjoy many meals together as families, I'm sure, over the Christmas season, including maybe already feeling hungry and wanting to share one now. But uh, this is a, a prayer for before or after a meal, and I just want to give thanks to our Creator God for all the things that we receive and in, in these final words, also prayerfully uh, ask God to help us to share those with others. Lord God, creator of all, in your wisdom you have bound us together so that we may depend on each other for the food we eat, the resources we use, and the gifts of your creation that bring life, health, and joy. Creator God, we give thanks. Blessed be the hands that work the land so that we do not have to go hungry. Blessed be the feet of those whose bodies are too broken or weary to stand. Blessed be the sound of your people singing to heal our troubled hearts. Blessed be the bodies of those who suffer. In your mercy and grace, soften our callous hearts and fill us with gratitude for all the gifts you have given us. In your love, break down the walls that separate us and guide us along your path of peace, that we might humbly worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen. These words of scripture, as we close our worship service this morning. After the parable of the Good Samaritan, these words from verse 36, which of these men, these three, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied and said, well, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I'm just thinking about us this Christmas. Are we going to be those neighbors? Are we going to be givers of mercy and compassion and grace? I hope you are. I hope that this service and this reflection on hunger, the reading of scripture and the songs that we've sung have moved your heart to show compassion and grace and love to those around you. To be that neighbor, not the one who walks by, but the one who stops. The one filled with mercy. I hope that's you. And I hope that when you take the time to do that, people see your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for the church as they are dismissed from this place that they would go with boldness to proclaim your gospel. Lord, that they'd be stirred to show mercy to other people, people in need of compassion and grace. Would they become neighbors to the people who live close to them? Would they be good neighbors to those who live around the world? who don't have enough to eat tonight. God, would you change our hearts to be, mm, to be soft towards people we don't even know, to find ways to live Christ's love out practically today as we go from this place. And would we come back after Christmas celebrating the ways that you gave us opportunities 
to live on mission, to display the gospel, to go and do likewise. Lord Jesus, dismiss this church with your great blessing. Take care of them this Christmas season. And would we be a bright light in a dark world. Thank you for Rick and Jackie and their presentation. Thank you for this worship service. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.